Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on? Welcome back to the show, and thanks for joining me. How are you guys doing out there? I think it really depends on what you're invested in. And uh, we've really got a tale of two markets this week. It has been just breakneck speed of what's going on out there. And uh, it really just depends on what side of the fence you're on. And for me, I'm I'm diversified, so I'm on both sides of that fence. But um, yeah, we had, a, we had a crazy, crazy week. And it all really just came down to two things. Uh, it was really based on that CPI and what's going on with FTX. That's pretty much all the week was. Uh, so we had a CPI report come out, that consumer price index that really tracks that inflation number that we are all so curiously waiting to see when it's going to drop. Uh, well, we finally got a drop. We had the uh, the CPI increase four tenths of a percent for the month and 7.7% from a year ago. And both of those numbers are lower than estimates. Now, if you take out... Uh, Food and energy costs, what are you know the volatile parts of the CPI report? You get down to the core CPI, and that increased only three tenths for the month and six point three percent on an annual basis. So those are also lower. Uh, so we're seeing prices come down in medical care and used vehicles, apparel. Uh, I've even seen it at uh, the grocery store. I went the other day; things were on sale. Uh, I haven't seen that in in quite some time took an $180 cart down to 103. Uh, so definitely nice to see a lot of things coming down. Uh, we're definitely seeing some of that relief uh, in, in these core areas that we're looking at. Uh, we're still seeing that shelter costs are their highest monthly gain since 1990. Now, with that being said, uh, after this report, Thursday, Friday, this past week, we had massive, massive gains in the market. And uh, I mean, I felt like I knew what I was doing again. It's really remarkable. You know, I sold out, like I told you, that 10% of my Tesla stock. And Tesla is still under where I sold it. And I rotated into some other stocks. SoFi, DraftKings, Amazon, Google. Uh, some of these other stocks that I thought were just beat down too much. And then I look at it and these stocks are all up north of 10% in, in two days. It just did not make any sense as to the massive moves. I understand, you know, inflation might be peaking. I understand that what's going on out there, but these are some massive moves. So these uh, gains for those two days accounted to be uh, the largest two-day move since 2008. So really just kind of unpre unprecedented moves, unprecedented gains that we really weren't counting on. Uh, again, this tells me a couple things. Uh, if you're invested, stay invested. You know, if you're getting fearful and you want to take some out, have a plan for that money. I understand limiting your risk. I understand, you know, you, you want to do uh, the least amount of damage to your portfolio. But uh, if you are in the right things and if you are a long-term investor with a longer timeline, I still say stay invested, dollar cost average in, 
Now, if you're in riskier uh, names or riskier ETFs, mutual funds, whatever you're in, and you don't have that long time horizon, I'd certainly say think about taking some of that off the table when you see some of these big giant moves. 10, 15, 20% in, in a couple of days is massive. So that's kind of my thoughts there. You want to uh, stay the course. You really don't want to chase these stocks either. Um, it's really easy to think, oh, the bottom's in. It's nothing but you know blue skies from here and everything's just going to roll up and be very predictable. But um, I don't want you to become someone else's liquidity. Now, what I mean by that is if uh, a lot of this giant move has to be institutional money, it has to be the big money managers. And yes, there is some uh, resident or not residential uh, retail investors. I was going to say re residential commercial, wrong words. Retail investors, yeah, they're getting into the action as well, but that's kind of a secondary effect. So we might see that uh, you know the big money is buying Apple, Google, Amazon, this, that, the other, and they're taking the market higher. Now the little guys come in and start you know thinking, oh, the bottom's in, it's over. Um, we're you know all set to to move up north of here. Now, I don't want to see that the uh, the big money is just playing a trick on us. They're going to get that 10, 15, 20 percent pop and cut their loss or, you know, cut out of it, take their money and and run and tell their, you know, their clients that, hey, look, we made 15 percent in two days. That's what I can do for you as your uh, your money manager, things like that. I really don't want to see that uh, your money and the fact that you're buying is going to be their gains. So just really be mindful that the fact that things ran up that fast, uh, they can come down that fast as well. It's definitely a thing where you want to really pick your battles. Uh, I'm still thinking that you want to nibble and take these small calculated uh, positions instead of taking these big bites that, you know, eventually you keep taking these big bites. You're going to choke on some of these names. That's just how it's going to go. And, and we've seen it time and time again with the way the market's trading. It's just been brutal out there when things go to the downside. And we got those big pops and had that record day um, simply from the fact of how much downside pressure there's been. And then we had a massive you know, reason that everyone wanted to run back to the market. So just be mindful that uh, things can go south real quick. And I, I don't want to see you guys get burnt. If you're trying to build a long-term position, I'm still in the camp of buy the names that you think are great names for the next five, 10 years. I don't think within the next 12 months, uh, I, th I think we're going to still see some downside. We're still going to see some pain. There's still a lot of problems out there. But um, going forward, we also had the other side of this story, which was that FTX problem. Uh, I told you that Sam Bankman-Fried from, from FTX had lost uh, 15 plus billion dollars of his own money. The fact that they didn't have liquidity to uh, pay people that were doing withdrawals on their platform. They wanted to sell out of, uh, you know, pick, pick a coin. They wanted to sell out of it. They wanted cash. Well, FTX didn't have it. It's starting to look like a lot of crooked accounting. It's starting to look like a uh, a scam was in the works. He's, Sam Bankman-Fried is being investigated. He's down in the Bahamas. He's looking to go to Dubai. He's he's under supervision in the Bahamas, but he's still looking to go to Dubai and not be extradited if he gets brought up on charges after being investigated. So 
I'm thinking there's a strong, strong possibility we're going to see a movie in the next 10 years about what's going on in crypto right now. There's definitely some shady stuff going on, and there's definitely a lot of reasons to think that uh, crypto is a scam. Now, I don't know that it is a scam. I think there's a lot of scam artists doing a lot of shady things in the space. Um, people like this that have, you know, well, there's also reports on CNBC that uh, it was $1 billion of client assets has been taken off the platform. There was some backdoor uh, transactions going in to wire them into Alameda, I believe it was. And then it came out that it was $2 billion worth of assets coming out of F FTX. That was clients' uh, assets. So I don't really know that uh, if you've been involved in, in FTX trading, I don't know that you're getting this money back anytime soon. I don't know that you're getting your coins back anytime soon. It's, uh, it's definitely painful. Uh, thankfully, I was not on FTX. I kind of dodged this bullet. Uh, Binance and Crypto.com is who I've been using. I also like to think that you can trust Coinbase because it's uh, you know publicly traded. The SEC is watching it. You have a little bit more uh, oversight as to who's watching it, how much cash is actually there, where your coins are. Sure, it could, it could still be hacked. I understand that. I, I get that risk. But uh, there is a little bit more oversight from uh, the SEC and FINRA and everyone else that's uh, involved in keeping these stocks safe and secure. Now, do I think that this potentially could be a good thing? Yeah. And let me explain. I know it kind of sounds crazy, but when you think about the, uh, the government oversight and all the, uh, the regulations that they were looking to impose into the crypto space, there are some big people big whales that have gotten burnt from the from this FTX deal. Now, these people have more of a reach into political powers. SEC, the FINRA, everyone I'm talking about, they know these people. Uh, and when some of these big names, Peyton Manning, Kevin O'Leary, um, I know they were on the FTX thing. Uh, I'm thinking that once they get burned, they're going to start pulling some strings. They're going to say, hey, this can't happen anymore. We lost millions or billions from this uh, this downturn, and you know they took our coins, or you know the just the fact of the market being so volatile from the fact that uh, these exchanges basically just you know go bankrupt or they just leave, and they leave everyone hanging. I'm thinking we've got to start seeing some oversight and some regulation from the government at some place at some time, or I don't really know who's going to be left holding these coins. So. Uh, in order to have that currency, you know, you need to be able to transact in it. You also need more people that are going to be on the same network. For that reason, I'm still thinking there's probably going to be 10 to 20 different main cryptos where people actually want to be on that network. You know, having 4,000 different coins and everyone makes a coin in their basement. Yeah, okay, it's cute. Someone's buying it and the price runs up. But then when they want to sell it, who's left to actually buy you know, coin number 4,700. I don't think there's many people. I think you have to have a few that really make sense and some that might be a little bit more in the, uh, the niche type space for different projects that have a big enough following in order to transact with those people. And, you know, it's, it's also kind of similar to, um, you know, people wanting to trade gold. Gold was gold. And you could 
cut it. You could, you know, share it. You know, you could do everything with it because 14 karat gold was by weight. This was the value versus when you're trading something like diamonds, there's so many different things that come in. You got color, cut, clarity, all the shapes, polish, finish, everything else comes into the situation where you want to have a product that everyone knows it's easily identifiable and a pound of, you know, or one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. It's, you know, it's not as murky as what it is right now. It's a little bit more clear as to what you're getting. And I think overall, that's probably a better way to be when people know that uh, gold or uh, Bitcoin is an appreciable asset. You know, they're, they're only making so much of it. More people want it. Yes, the price is going to continue to go up and you know what you're getting versus some of these other coins. They keep making them or they keep taking them off the exchanges, this, that, the other. You never know if it's really going to be around. You don't know if there's enough people that actually want it. And it just the, the value is so volatile that it makes it really hard to understand where this currency is going. So for those reasons, I still think that uh, the big coins still have a future. I still think that we're going to get government regulation. And I still think that Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the other main major players make sense going forward. Now, am I rushing out to buy them? No, same story as stocks. I'm still looking to nibble. I don't think that the crypto crash is over. Uh, I do think that there is some more downward uh, pressure. Once we get everything kind of settled, we start seeing some regulation, we start seeing some calmness in the market. Uh, then I think, you know, we only then are we going to actually start to see a rally higher, but we're not there yet. So be mindful, uh, whether it's stocks running up at the rate of 20% in a given day. Uh, I think we saw Matterport up 30% in a day. We saw DraftKings and SoFi up 15% over the course of two days. Or if we're looking at, you know, Bitcoin falling from 21,000 to the 16,000 range, or Ethereum going from 16 to 1200, we're definitely not out of the woods yet. And I want you to know that it is, uh, it's murky out there at best. So just be mindful as to what's going on. Really um, take your battles in stride and know that you don't need to be a hero all in one day. Um, I'd rather see a slow progression that is going to get you to that financial freedom that we're really striving for here. That's really what I want to see. I'm, I'm not an overnight trader. Uh, I don't really do the options. I don't really need to make it rich tomorrow. That's not why I'm here. That's not what I want you to think of when you think of this podcast. I want you to think of long-term growth uh, that is ultimately going to be something that we can uh, really look forward to into um, later in life when we're looking to retire, when we're looking to live off of these assets. I want to know that they are there. And buying things at uh, crazy valuations on either side of the spectrum doesn't really seem like a good way to do that. So slow and steady moves really are going to win the race. And that's really what I want to really relate to you guys here. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that cleared a little bit of the air about what's going on in CPI, what's going on in crypto. And, you know, I, I do think that there are both going to be around for many, many years to come. Uh, I've said it before about the crypto exchanges. A lot of these are basically your dot-com bust names. Uh, will some of them prevail? Yeah, we, we kind of thought it was FTX, right? 
we thought that uh, Sam Bankman Freed was going to be, um, you know, as he was bailing out all these other crypto exchanges, we thought he was going to be the white knight that was really saving crypto and was buying up all these different platforms. And, you know, I think a lot of people got burned. So I, I hope you didn't get burnt too bad out there. Understand that uh, there are safer exchanges. There are better ways to hold your crypto. You can put it in cold storage and take it off of an exchange if you own your own crypto keys. That's the uh, basically a serial number to your own coins. You can put them in a cold wallet. Now, it's an option. You can't stake them that way. But uh, I'm even right now, I, I've even thought about this. PayPal might be a better way to do it. I know there's fees. I know you don't have your keys. But I feel like I trust PayPal more than I trust um, some of these off-the-wall crypto-only exchanges based out of who knows where, and they're um, filing, they're accounting, they're everything else is kind of questionable. I feel like I trust PayPal a little bit more to hold my crypto. I don't have any crypto there. I probably won't go back to it, but... I feel like if you're getting started and you want to tuck a, a couple dollars away in crypto and you already have a PayPal account or a Webull account uh, from the standpoint that they own uh, stocks and they trade stocks as well, they're going to be a little bit more um, watched over, regulated than some of these smaller crypto exchanges. So just a thought. Um, I'm not saying that anyone's right. And uh, I, I guess I also probably dodged a bullet by not having FTX at this given point in time. But who knows which one's next? Uh, I feel safe with where I'm at, but uh, I also got want you guys to feel safe with whatever path you choose. So that's what I got there. I'm going to take a quick break. This was, uh, a, I think, a good little chat as to what's going on out there. So stick around. We're going to talk about the investing challenge uh, week 45 and uh, a little bit more as to what we do going forward from here into the holidays and into next year. So I'll uh, I'll be right back. All right, we are back here on the show. So, um, well, if you're not up to date over there on Facebook on Let It Grow Investing, we do a 22 or 2022 investing challenge. And that simply means we are voting on one stock per week to add to a portfolio where I am investing $200 of my own money into this portfolio every Monday. Uh, so if you're not on the Let It Grow Investing page, please get over there, get your votes in and uh, really mix it up. We are at a point right now where we do have a tie this week. And I think with more numbers, we're probably going to get away with that uh, or go away from that. So if you can go over there, vote it up, change up the mix and uh, and get your votes heard and ultimately follow along with what stocks we're picking. And uh, yeah, see if we can't uh, really outperform this portfolio or the S&P in our portfolio over the course of the year. So uh, with that being said, we had five stocks this past week. We always have five stocks. That's kind of what we do. And um, I ended up buying a lot of these stocks already this week. So uh, where do we start here? The first one was SoFi. SoFi Technologies, FinTech Bank. Um, thinking that they've got a good you know, path forward with some of the student loan forgiveness and uh, student loan payments being deferred. That was definitely a, uh, a headwind for them, but they did get that bank charter. I think things are looking up. So that was number one. Uh, that one did not make the uh, the tie. We've got uh, DraftKings was going to be number two. I thought maybe with some of the election results and more um, 
states going ahead and legalizing sports betting that we might be in a spot where DraftKings really might benefit from that as well. And uh, sorry, I got my, my phone going off here. Um, so DraftKings was not in that uh, that final tie that we need to break. PayPal, number three, uh, ticker PYPL. Uh, again, I was talking about it earlier, uh, having some other different ways for them to make money. They've got uh, some different products now. They're not just kind of money between friends uh, or merchants. They've, they've got the Venmo thing going between friends, PayPal for more merchants. And um, they've also got the savings accounts. They got the crypto. They got the shopping angle covered where you can take your money that's in your PayPal account or in your PayPal savings account and buy online with PayPal. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people around the world use that to do a lot of different online shopping, use it as a savings account. Uh, I thought that one might be, you know, a good time to buy as well. These prices have come back down. It went under the $80 mark. And uh, ultimately, I purchased down around that point. Uh, let's see where it is now. We are at $91 a few short days later. So definitely got some upside there. And um, yeah, the, the final two that we are looking at, we added Disney to the mix because of that uh, that shortfall in their earnings report. They had some problems. We know that. We talked about the political angles, the uh, management problems, and really just kind of the, the struggles that they've had um, creating enough content to really get Disney Plus off the ground. They're growing the numbers on Disney Plus as far as users. The revenues are light. They're spending more than they're making, but they're adding more you know, customers. So that's a good sign. Uh, conversely, we've got another stock that uh, I think should do really well during the holiday season and beyond. I, I think they're a premium operator. Uh, I think that they have really shown over time that they are uh, have a great management team. Their dividends pretty safe and uh, one that I think should do well going forward. And that name is UPS. Um, so again, they they kind of had a different uh, earnings report than what Disney did. They kind of turned the story around after FedEx reported and guided down. UPS said, what problems? Pretty much. I mean, they, they basically just kind of shrugged it off like, we're doing great. We're uh, adding people. We've got more people, you know, driving trucks, more boxes coming through our doors. And ultimately, things were looking up for them. Now, this is a tough call. Um, and this is kind of one of them things where we have to make choices as investors as to where do I want to put my money and why am I putting it there? Um, so now when I'm faced with breaking this tie between these two names, when an investing challenge uh, results come in even, uh, I'm really looking at a couple different things. Um, one, you know, you want to look at your your PE, you want to look at your price, you kind of want to look at the the problems that they've had, you want to look at where it's going in the future. And I, I think the future of both businesses is bright. I think that Disney's got a little bit more hard, hard times right now. Uh, conversely, with UPS, I think you've got a great time ending, man, maybe could be ending now as kind of we might hit a recession, we might have some more problems. Uh, people might be spending less and less, so they might be shopping online less and less. Uh, a lot of that business, yes, they have the freight. Yes, they got commercial. I understand there's more to UPS than simply just buying boxes online or, or packages online that need to arrive at your doorstep. 
But at the same time, I'm looking at that outlook thinking, okay, where is this one going to go? And I do think that the holiday season is going to be great for UPS. Now, what's quarter one of 23 or quarter two look like? And uh, that picture, I, th I think we're still strong. I think we're fine right now. But uh, there is that fear of it could slow down. Similar problem for Disney, though. You know, when you look at uh, people actually traveling to the parks and that park revenue, if they get there and they're spending this, I think it's about $180 a ticket now per person per day. And then you've got uh, the food, the merchandise, the everything else that you can buy in the park, every add-on, every gimmick that they have to get more money out of you. How many people are going to be able to go? And if they do go, how much more are they going to be able to spend once they get in the park? Uh, so I think both sides have uh, a great trajectory overall. Uh, there are some things you want to note in those two stories, though. Uh, the PE on UPS is a 13. They've got a 3.5% dividend. Uh, when I flip back over to Disney, we've got uh, a PE of a 51.75. Um, no dividend currently. Hopefully, they can reinstate that in 23. They cut that during the pandemic, and uh, it hasn't come back yet. So analyst upside on Disney. Now, this is kind of where it gets a little bit different here. So You've got 33% of upside for Disney. Uh, that downside is limited. Only one analyst says it'll be lower in 12 months than it is right now. So currently at 95, average price target is 126. So that's 33% of upside. You've got someone calling for a 229 high, which I don't see that. Um, I'm not even sure who said that. I kind of want to look just to see who's that bullish on Disney right now. Um, Tigris Financial 229 price target. His success rating for on Disney is a 33%. So I might go ahead and just kind of forget that one. So this this average upside is probably a little bit skewed from that one number. That's 141% of upside. Uh, and that's also like the oldest rating from the past uh three months. So um, I'm a little bit uh, thinking that one's probably not accurate. I don't think we're going to get there. I don't I don't see that path. Now, when I flip back over to UPS, you've got less on the upside. Uh, and then also someone who's oppositely more bearish on UPS for a 43% of downside from where they currently are, which I would probably, you know, push that one to the side. I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. But you have 6.3% of upside from where this is. Granted, maybe skewed a little bit to the south because of this one that's 43% of downside. But uh, on the upside, you've only got 20% uh, as a high. So someone's got a 214 price target. The average is 189, 6%. Um, so where do I really kind of split the difference here? I would probably lean short term. If I was going to trade one, well, I, I don't even know about that. I was going to say UPS, I would probably trade around the holidays. Uh, you could probably do the same thing with the volatility that Disney has had and uh, do a short, short term swing trade on that. That's not really what we're looking to do. Um, I would probably go ahead and give the nod to Disney because I think 
the uh, the fear in this one was overblown. I think the uh, that 13% down on Disney, um, when yes, they had some problems that they're working through. They're spending a lot. They ultimately want to cut that down, slow that down on the streaming that they are making. Uh, yes, the park revenue was lighter than they expected. But overall, I don't think it was a 13% down quarter. I do think that it was an overreaction. Um, where I really do like UPS, um, I do think that long term, they are a great company. They're a premium operator and they deserve to be higher from here. Um, truthfully, I'd probably think about buying both of them from the standpoint that UPS has a PE of 13. Uh, I think it's under their average. And I would probably look to see um, what this one could do long term. I, If I had to pick one shipping company, it would be UPS. Uh, now, I do want to go through the Reuters report on that, seeing that uh, seeing that we're here. I just want to look at those PEs and really see if it really is that much lower than their five-year average, or if it's just kind of a seat-of-the-pants call as I'm talking about the two here. But uh, in order to do that, I need to hop on the cell phone and pull up the Reuters report because for some reason it doesn't work on the, uh, the desktop version, which I've never really understood why. And uh, I'm having a hard time pulling this up. But um, I guess we won't wait for that. We'll, uh, we'll just move forward. I'll try to get that PE updated on, uh, on UPS where it stands and where we go from here. Uh, so that being said, we are on to week 46. And that means we've only got about five more weeks of, uh, of these votes to go through in order to um, finish out the year. And hopefully we can beat the, uh, the S&P uh, by the end of the year. Right now, we're looking pretty good. And now that I said that I'll move on, the, the E-Trade app pulled up on my phone. And I'm going to run through the, uh, the Reuters report here real quick. Um, so when I'm looking over at Reuters, it is rated a buy. It does have 11% of upside. The annual revenue is low single digits, increases in next year. Dividend growth of 31%, which is really nice. Dividend payout of 47%, which is is nice. Um, it's lower than that 80, 60 to 80 number that we try to stay under. Uh, now, the trailing PE, 13.5. Five-year average is a 25.8. So that represents a 48% discount from where they historically trade on a five-year average. I definitely like that. And then on a forward PE, it's at a 13.9. And the five-year average is a 16.4. So that represents a 15% of discount. So I do like UPS here. I think for a long-term play, it is a solid pick. And I'll just say that I think Disney has more upside. And they were oversold right now. So that makes me think that we have a better entry at this point in time. So Disney's going to get the nod for that better entry point and more upside with uh, with a limited downside. So Disney's going to be the one for 46. Now, going forward, um, yeah, I said we're on week 47. We are looking at, uh, let me pull up the Weeble portfolio here. I think we are down, yeah, we're down about 7.8%. Now, I want to say last week we were down middle teens, 15, 16%. So we really had a nice rally overall in our Weeble portfolio for the uh, for the week. It really has been been a nice week, especially after that CPI uh, came out and came in light. 
So now we are looking towards um, towards the holidays, towards a recession, towards building a long-term portfolio. And one that uh, we've talked about a few times here, it's probably even been too recent. I just think that uh, it has gotten beat down too much is going to be CrowdStrike. CRWD. I've, I've talked about this one before. Um, there's a lot of other names that really came to mind this week. Uh, I was looking at Google. I was looking at some uh, liquid natural gas LNG plays. Um, I, I don't know. The, the LNG plays, I think a lot of the oil is, is getting pretty up there in price. There are a lot of companies that are trading pretty high. And a couple that I looked at, GLNG was one of them. LNG, which is Chenier, I was looking at those. Some of their annual revenues were set to fall off. Uh, so I really had a hard time buying when uh, their, their revenues are projected to fall. And hopefully Europe can kind of get their act together. And, you know, the whole Russia problems with natural gas can kind of get sorted a little bit more. And we can have some clarity there. Uh, so I, I was thinking, you know, that could be a solid play going into the winter, at least to have that run up on, uh, you know, heating oil, things like that. But um, the, the safer stocks were priced a little too high in some regards for me. And some of the LNG plays were just looked like they were going to fall off of a cliff. And some of them were even down. Uh, I think it was GLNG had 71% lower. I want to say it was their PE was like a 71% discount. I might be wrong on that. I know some numbers came in remarkably low. They had good uh, potential, but no one was really buying them. So I, I, I really didn't know if the whole story there. So I just figured I'd stay away until I learned more. But uh, yeah, CrowdStrike. We'll get back to that. Sorry. We've got uh, CrowdStrike and uh, Web Security. I still think it is a premium operator in the space. It's trading at 140 uh, 143. The low was 120 back on uh, November 9th. So that was what four days ago. So we did have a nice pop here in this one in the past couple days as well. But uh, it came from uh, a high of 289, uh, pretty much right at a year ago. 1112 was the uh, the peak on that one on the one year chart. So I definitely like this one. There's a lot of upside built into this name. I think it came down a little too much. And now we're getting the pop up in these NASDAQ stocks and the growth stocks. So this one has an upside of 64%. So that is one of the plays I really wanted to kind of capitalize on. And uh, again, it's a premium operator in the space. And I think that they have a lot of room to grow this business uh, going forward. Uh, so that is number one, CRWD CrowdStrike. Now, number two, uh, we haven't talked about these in a while. And uh, I'm kind of going on the same theme that I had from DraftKings last week. And this is a casino stock. And it's a casino stock that is looking to get into sports betting as well. And that name is MGM. And these have kind of quietly been coming back. We really haven't talked about them a lot. Um but yeah, I was looking at Wynn also. I know they're building a new resort in uh, UAE. And they have kind of had a nice run back up. They came up 8% on uh, on Friday. And I'm thinking the low had to be down in the 60s maybe. No, it got down to the 50. 
Okay, so this one definitely dropped off in June. Uh, I kind of stopped following them for a while because of some of the problems with China, some of the problems with the gambling space. They, it just it wasn't looking too great. Uh, they definitely have rallied back, though. I mean, from 50 now being at 78 on win, that's that's definitely a nice rally. So win was one of the ones that was in contention for me. They have a negative uh, EPS, which kind of scared me, and no dividend. Um, whereas MGM has a PE of 12. They do have an EPS of $2.93 a share. The dividend, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about. It's a, it's a quarter of a penny. So it's 0. 0.0025 per quarter. Uh, so that is negligible. It doesn't, doesn't really skew me either way. But uh, the fact that the PE was so low, they're profitable, and they've got the sports betting that they're really looking to branch out into. They've got a average upside of 43%. I thought, hey, you know, it might be a good time to get in on this craze of uh, the sports betting. And I think they're going to be a premium operator in that space as well. They got uh, they got plenty of experience. Uh, I'm sure they can acquire where they need to or partner with other companies. And I think that's going to be the route that they're going to continue to take on when they're looking at this uh, this new way to make another couple bucks. And I think that's going to be a solid addition for MGM Resorts. So number two is MGM. Um, I like the upside. I think the space is a, a decent one. And uh, they are continuing to have billion dollar revenues in Vegas uh, month over month. I think it's 18 months now where they've had uh, more than a billion dollars come through in, in revenue for these casino operators. So that business looks strong. Wins more tied, uh, I think, to China right now. And a couple other ones are more tied to China. So I was uh, going to avoid those. Uh, number three, we are looking at a video game maker in uh, kind of in the wake of going into the holiday season. Plus, uh, I know Microsoft was going to be looking to buy these guys, and that is Activision. So I still like the, the fact that Microsoft has this bid in on them. I'm not sure if it's going to get through SEC approval. Um, but if it does, I, I do think that these shares have a good room, a good amount of room to go up. Uh, they just released a new Call of Duty title, and I believe it sold uh, over a billion dollars worth of pre-orders within uh, before it was even released. I think it was all in pre-orders. Uh, so I definitely like this space. I think it's getting a, was a, a little bit left behind here for a while. Uh, especially with some of the stuff that was going on in the video gaming chips kind of coming out of COVID. But uh, I do think that they are a premium company in the space. Microsoft has taken note. There's definitely a, a lot of other uh, people out there that understand that Activision is a premium video game producer. Uh, so for a tech company, the, the PE is at a 34.5. It is a bit high. It does have a dividend of uh, 0.6%. So again, nothing major there. But uh, when we flip over to the analyst upside, we've got 26% of upside here. So again, another one that I think we could play into uh, the holiday season and kind of beyond with some of these Microsoft dealings that are kind of in the works as well. Um, I do think that it could be a great addition for Microsoft should it get approved. It, it may or may not. Uh, I do not have a crystal ball. If I did, I'd have a lot more money. But um, number four. We've got uh, another company that uh, was kind of beat down there for a while. And uh, 
I, I think a lot of people still have some negativity built into this one. And I think going forward, they're going to even out their inventories. They're going to do a lot of things better and uh, not get caught like they did. Uh, 21 where, you know, they the inventory numbers just weren't there and now they oversupplied. And uh, that name is Nike. The, the ticker is NKE. It is a premium operator and they have a long, uh, long standing good management. They've got, uh, you know, a, just a solid business that I think is going to continue to grow. Uh, so they do have a higher PE. It's at a 28 times. Um, they do have an EPS of about $3.53 a share. Dividend is a 1.23%. So another negligible dividend. Lower analyst upside on this one. I thought this one was going to be higher. And this is one that I was playing into the holiday season. And again, I still think that uh, consumers are saying that they might pinch back. But uh, I'd really kind of think that that might just be lip service. And when we start seeing some deals come out from uh, all these different retailers, I think people are going to actually end up opening their wallets more than they say they will and end up spending more. So I think that Nike could be a, uh, a beneficiary of that extra spending that uh, consumers might not even know that they're going to uh, be having. Uh, I mean, just for example, um, I was on I was on Under Armour, right? They had 40% off of outlet spending. Anything in the outlet was additional 40% off. Uh, and then I was using Rakuten, so I got another 11% cash back. So um, again, bigger cart, cut it pretty much in half, and then still got 15 bucks back on Rakuten. Uh, I would use that if uh, if you're doing any kind of Christmas shopping or holiday shopping, and you basically just put in your information, you get cash back or gift card back, and there's no catch. I've been using it for years, and you, it just ends up working and you get cash back for things you're already going to buy. So, uh, I guess I could throw a link in there for my account. If you, if you haven't started one, I think we both get a little bit of kickback there for a referral, but anyhow, um, you're just seeing more people spending on these different products that, uh, I wasn't even really looking for a lot of things. I just kind of got one of those ads pushed to me on Instagram or Facebook and ended up taking a look. I was like, all right, well, I guess I need some of this stuff. You know, kids are growing and you know, socks got holes in them or whatever. So I was just like, okay, add it to the cart, cash back, done. Um, so I still think that Nike could uh, be a big, big beneficiary of uh, some of this extra spending. Granted, it might be at a lower margin, but uh, still could be a great time to buy when uh, a lot of people have kind of forgot about some of these apparel companies. Uh, so again, we've got, uh, like I said, someone had uh, a little bit of negativity in this one. There's a 25% of downside on the low end. And then on the high side, someone is counting on 74% of upside within the next 12 months. But it's going to average out to about a 3.61% of upside here. So the, uh, the PE is a little bit high. The upside is a little bit low. But overall, I do think that they are a great company that uh, can really do well going forward. And I think overall, it had a rough year. They sold off on a lot of that different news. Uh, so that's number four. Now, number five, um, we were looking at games and things for uh, a consumer cyclical play. Probably not my favorite stock long term. 
But when we are looking at it under the lens of around the, the holiday season, this one came to mind, and that name is Hasbro. Ticker is H-A-S. So when I am looking at what they have, uh, they have three different segments, consumer, Wizards of the Coast and Digital Gaming and Entertainment, Consumer Products, uh, is Sourcing, Marketing, Sales of Toy and Game Products all around the world. Uh, but let's look at their product lines. They've got uh, Magic the Gathering, Nerf, My Little Pony, Transformers, Play-Doh, Monopoly, Baby Alive, Dungeons and Dragons, Power Rangers, Peppa Pig, PJ Masks, and uh, it says they also have premier partner brands. So that's a that's a pretty long list of different products that they have, especially going into the holiday season. Uh, so where am I looking at at this one? I was also looking at Mattel. Uh, Mattel, I believe, had more upside, but they also had no dividend. And I, I think that I, I just ended up going with Hasbro for the, the dividend that is a 4.6% dividend here. Uh, the PE is at a 20. So a, a bit higher than where I'd like. But uh, ultimately, we are right off a yearly low. We're at 6340 uh, and it gained 5% on Friday. And the low was set in on uh, November the 9th. That was at 57.58. So we're up uh, six bucks. We're roughly, roughly 10%. Hopefully this one, if we go ahead and pick this one on the uh, on the poll, we can let this one settle back down this week and ultimately hopefully buy it somewhere near 60. That would be my hope. Uh, ultimately, we'll, we'll see if this one even gets the nod for the week. But um, yeah, so beta low. It's a 0.8. Uh, a one beta is average on the S&P. So this one is lower there. And we've got uh, a 37% upside on Hasbro going into the holidays. That doesn't make sense to me. The inventory levels are fine. Uh, they've got everything in stock. They are getting everything back in order and ready to rock for the holiday season. So currently we're at 63.41 and that average price target is 86.89. Now the low side is still a 15% gain. So even if the lowest analyst is right, you still got a 15% gain plus your 4.5% dividend. So that's a 20% return forecasted on the low side. If you look at the average, you're at 42% roughly. And I would be completely content with that on a, on a name that's been around forever. But uh, so yeah, that's what I got for you guys on these names this week. So we've got CrowdStrike, We've got MGM, we've got Activision Blizzard, Nike, and Hasbro. So please get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. The link is in the description. You got no reason not to go over there and just click on one and uh, you know let your voice be heard as to what you think is going to be the stock that we should add for this week to beat the S&P for the remainder of the year. And that's what I got for you guys today. So thank you very much for stopping by. Thanks for listening in. And uh, please feel free to, you know, like, subscribe and share this podcast so uh, more people can join in the conversation. Ultimately, we can uh, get to that path of uh, financial freedom that we're all really hoping to get to. So thanks for stopping by and I'll catch you guys in the next one.
Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.